1: This is the Team Never Quit podcast. So buckle
2: up, buttercup. We like to kick things off with a Patreon question, so I'll go ahead and throw that out to you guys. What scene in a movie gives you goosebumps every time you watch it? That's a great question.
1: That When, sec- <laughs> when Secretariat comes around that last turn, at the, I got the Preakness, right? Or the Belmont. No, it was Derby. It's the last one, right? The no, Derby. Derby's the first one. Your ass. And Is he's that right? Thirty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and hey, John. Thirty-two. <laughs> Thirty-two horse lengths ahead of every other horse. That scene in that movie every single time because. of the scene. Have you seen? Have you, you know what I'm talking about? You seen I've seen, seen that? it. Okay. Read the book and seen the movie. Oh, man, uh, that's yeah. Awesome. I mean, uh, incredible. incredible. And uh, Rudy. At the end, oh, what t- 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 he, he fucking dude. He tackled that kid, dude. No matter <laughs> yeah! how many times I, I don't even have to watch the whole movie to get prepped for it. Oh, <laughs> dude, it's like you can you hear him yelling under that helmet? And He's like, rah, 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 dude, <laughs> that's a great question. There's a few of them, man. Yeah, there are, yeah, there, there's a bunch. That is an amazing question. What you got, Kev?
0: Oh, man, on the spot, I uh, goosebumps. I don't know. I, I have to say. Well, I I just tell you my favorite movie of all time is Ace Ventura: Pet Detective. Sure, that's so, a that's
1: a great answer, nah. but that wasn't the damn question. Yeah, <laughs> <so. laughs> come on, <laughs> dig deeper. Dig deep. It's actually a hard question.
2: I mean, I that is a hard question. That, that Secretary was. I had to think that about it for a second. Full man. Mine is oh, Olympus man. Has Fallen. Olympus Has Fallen, dude. Uh, is that good? It is really good. I mean, it's you know relatively cheesy, but whenever the little girl runs out of the the Capitol building after everything oh, goes down yeah. with the flag. Oh, that's a goosebump moment. Oh, oh, oh Okay,
1: In Indiana Jones temple of doom, dude. when He's like, <laughs> let's get out of here. He's like, yeah, Yo, you're right, all of us. And he's standing there and going to get them kids. Yep. Yeah. Dude turns around, looks at him. He's standing there, joke, yoked out. Yeah, that's a good one.
2: There's so many good ones. Rudy's the best
1: one I can think of. I mean, it like, elicits that thunder lightning where you want to go out and punch somebody.
0: Or, I, I, mean, I can't believe pl- I'm drawing a blank here because I can't think of it. John? You know that
1: movie, Facing the Giants? No, nobody, nobody does. Nobody does that one. Was it a documentary you made? Yeah, yeah. I made it. No, it's a low budget film. That's what I'm talking about. But, yeah. Now, there's one scene in there that's absolutely, it always got me because basically it was one of those never quit things. That the football player, they blind him or they put a blindfold on him and they're like, you know, you can't crawl the whole football field with this guy on your back. He's like, I can't do it. And the coach says, oh, you can't do it? And so then he blindfolds like give me ten yards and then he does that for the length of the football field and that always kind of when he looks up and he realizes he just crossed the hundred yard mark. Yeah. Yeah, that always Dude, happens. Miracle's a good one. Oh yes. Miracle's a good one. All and, and the game and the guy announcing it. When the real one when he fires that sucker that's, that's a good one. I think that the Winter Olympics before last, cross country, the two American the American relay. You're talking about the most best effort ever put out ever put out in the history, in the history of, putting of putting out putting out. And God I can't believe it, I can't remember her name. It starts with a D. Anyway, yeah, yeah. it's her in the Netherlands, man. They're coming around neck to neck, dude. And this commentator's losing his fucking mind, dude. <laughs> and I mean you can tell he wants to say a cuss word. He's like, Hey Mike! I mean, oh god Deacons, I think her name, man. And she pulls it out. Bro, but I mean, God, every time I watch it, 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 watch it again,
2: man. And it make you want to go out and go for a run. That's a good one. It's damn good. There's so, there are so many good ones. Flight 93 or United 93. I don't know if you ever watched that yeah, movie. When storm the cockpit. Oh, yeah, yeah, when they do that, oh, I got pumped up. That's a good one. That's a different kind of emotional. Yeah, that's it's a, a different. Yeah, yeah, it's a different kind of. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good question. Like Rocky movies. Well, if you guys want to throw your question our way next week or any other week, head over to Patreon.com/teamneverquit. You get exclusive access to the show, some awesome swag, and you can ask us your favorite questions. And uh, you can stump the guests like you did today. And uh, <laughs> hey, we've got a great guest in store for you guys. Kevin Hines is an American suicide prevention speaker who attempted suicide by jumping from the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco. His story gained major media coverage and has since become an activist promoting suicide prevention. Kevin is a best-selling author, global public speaker, and an award-winning documentary filmmaker. Kevin, welcome to the show, man.
0: Thank you very much. Glad
1: to be here. I Just, just... Bef- so I know before we get into this. Are you a spiritual and religious guy?
0: I am. I am. I am a Catholic my whole life, uh since I can remember. Uh had faith, have faith every second of every day, pray every day, all the time.
1: Pre and post or both? Like were you were
0: you Oh no, pre and post my, pre- whole, life, my okay. whole life. Okay. The the only time I ever lost faith was when I stood atop the Golden Gate Bridge looking down, as my father is fond of saying. I found him on the way down. Okay, I'm glad you said it because I was going to ask you that.
1: But all right, let's roll the tape back. We got we we got to start where you come from, just so, the, so our listeners know exactly who we're talking to, and yeah. then we'll get into who, the details. who's your daddy and what does he do. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> that
0: <kind of> <laughs> Well, uh, I was I was actually born in severe poverty in San Francisco, California, in the Tenloin District, worst neighborhood there then, worst neighborhood there today. But it's all still accounts. the
1: worst neighborhood in the country
0: in the country. And I was, I was born to biological parents and adopted that were after they had me and my brother were 10 months apart. They moved quick. After I had me and my, they had me and my brother, they fell to hard times and, and were on drugs and alcohol. Uh, they would leave us unattended every single day to go do score and sell drugs. And one of those days, this kind of seedy motel clerk made his most unseedy decision and he called the police and the police came in with child protective services, and they swooped us up, and they placed us into foster care.
1: How old are you at this age?
0: I was just a few months old. Oh, my, check. I right was All 10 right. months okay, old check. Holy shit. And, um, so we bounced, we're, we're both bounced around in foster care with the idea that we'd be adopted together. Uh, of course, that didn't happen. We both got bronchitis in one of the foster homes filled with neglect. He died. Uh, rest in peace, Jordash And I live. And I got, I bounced around into five different homes. But unlike him, I got... You know, I got real lucky. So why does that happen? Why did that happen? Yeah, how does that happen? How how
1: is that that system so messed up when we if we truly care about our kids? I mean, it's, I think it's the kids good. who go through it are the only ones that can fix it.
0: That's right. It's still broken today. Um, like
1: on the outside, it's like with anything else. We don't when we look at that system. You think it should be like the best teachers, the best facilitators. All our money goes there. But I've never heard anything come like uh, I guess you should say anything, right? But I mean, there's a lot of complaints out of that, and I think it's going to take the kids who have actually went through it to go back and rebuild that sucker, right?
0: There are actually a couple of groups that are that are engaging in in, in doing that right now. Uh, I'm a part of one of them, and we're trying to. Oh, it's good, yeah. All right, it's happening. We're, then. Try, we're trying to make a change in, in the system, um, and, and they're they're really like you know foster scholars, if you will. And there's such a high number of suicide, suicidal teens that went through foster care. And, and, and there's so many of foster kids who age out into 18 in homelessness without a penny in their pockets. Or they find these homes, even today, where they're abused and neglected by the very people set to protect them. It's, it's disgusting. But, I, but like I said, I got lucky. I landed in, in uh, the home of Peter and Deborah Muller first. Uh, after those five homes and, and peter was in the army as you all know, often has to be restationed. debbie was a housewife and they were a transitional home for kids they had a, a ton of kids in the house at the same time absolute pandemonium uh kids of all ages from from 12 months age to, to 12 years of age and uh one day debbie hines walks in their door um and and it worked out she took me home and made me your son that's your foster mom how old were you then uh, I was nine months old when Debbie and Pat Hines took me in, and uh, I didn't get adopted until I was four and a half because uh, I was a, a mixed kid, and they didn't want a mixed kid being in the home of white parents. Mixed um, how? Which was just what's your the, what's the, your mix? The, the foster the foster people that were battling them were just vicious, um, and and I actually had there was a two year court hearing between my birth parents. And my and Pat and Debbie Hines for for custody of me in that court hearing um my birth father uh, outside of the hearing assaulted an undercover police officer and he was my dad was killed um and then in the court hearing my birth mother after two years of fighting uh, losing her her then husband said, you know Pat and Debbie, I can do this no longer please take care of my son. she forfeited custody of me at the end of that two-year battle. Hey, have you spoken with her? Recently. Uh, sadly, uh, uh, I went looking for her at, at 25. She had died when I was 23. All right. And
1: the Heinz family are, they full fledged. I mean, your last name's Heinz. So
0: yeah, they're, no, they're, they're amazing. Uh, Pat and Debbie gave me a life I would have never had. So talk they about are, that. Why is it so hard dad. when,
1: when you say you went through five homes and then yeah. you find one that's awesome. Is that because, what causes that? Were there five bad homes or were you the bad kid? Five bad homes. Five Five bad
0: homes. Filled with with neglect, filled with, um, you know, not necessarily abuse or anything, but certainly neglect. And and these are people that use the foster system to take in a paycheck and then don't take care of the kids they've taken in. Except when I got into the home of Peter and Deborah Muller because they were the first good foster home I was ever in. They were phenomenal. Um, and they've adopted several children since then. We stay in touch with each other. And then and then Debbie Hines came to their home looking for actually a little girl is what she wanted to take home to be the sister of Elizabeth Catherine, the girl she and Patrick had already taken in, but they ended up uh, taking me. At nine months, then four, they fully adopted you? Yep. Where were you guys living at the time? We were living in, living in San Francisco, California.
1: I'm oh, still in San Francisco. Okay.
0: Yeah. So born, yeah. born in the You're Tenderloin. Okay. So
1: for people that don't know what that is, the Tenderloin District of San Francisco. Hey, explain that. You're from it, there.
0: It, yeah. Give that. A, it is the, um, I, I've been is, through there. I've just driven a, through there. It is a drug ridden um, violence occurring. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's the, I, I hate to say this, but it's the bastard child of San Francisco. Um. It is uh, a desperate, destitute place where crime runs rampant and people are damaged and they're in pain and they are desperate and they're hurting. And because you uh, can, you can, and, and they're forgotten. Yeah. And my birth parents were forgotten there. My birth parents were absolutely forgotten there. They had no treatment, they had no therapy, they had no help. They loved me and my brother. They could not take care of me because they could barely take care of themselves.
1: Yeah. They, you, you can, they just like openly do drugs on the streets. Like right yeah. in broad daylight, There's a lot real. It's like all homelessness, a lot, a lot of homelessness yeah, out there. Homelessness, yeah. It, crime rate is astronomical. Yeah, it's kind of just like you're, like you say, it's where San Francisco just kind of flushed the
0: toilet. That's where. It, yeah, we we. I was I was living as an infant in and out of crack motels. That was my life.
1: All right, until your foster parents got a hold of you, you then it got good.
0: They saved my life. They gave me a beautiful childhood. I went from being damaged uh, to, to well in a relatively short amount of time. Um, I, I, let me tell you, it wasn't, it wasn't an easy transition. When they got me, for the first 30 days of being in the Heinz home, I was violently ill, just like sick as a dog. They took me to doctor after doctor, specialist after specialist. No one could tell you know, Pat and Debbie Hines what was wrong with the new-to-be son until one specialist came forward and said, Patrick – Deborah, there's nothing physically wrong with this child. It's all emotional. But that was not true. My birth parents had been feeding me what they could steal. My diet had consisted of Kool-Aid, Coca-Cola, and sour milk. And I was so physically sick from that. And if you you don't know, your gut biome is directly connected to your brain's chemistry. So if if you want to say it right, I was mentally ill from the very beginning.
1: Body was basically kind of freaking out because they weren't feeding you all the trash and they're trying to. It was kind of like
0: a so, you actually shot. weren't getting sick; you were getting better. I was getting better. Yeah, fair enough. I was. I was detoxing. That's exactly what that was. Yeah, you know, if you're born in the worst and- shit
1: around here. Like if they drop you into that, it means you're the hardest thing we got. Diamonds are forged in pressure, man. You don't get. You don't draw that card by accident. It's not how God hooks you up. You're That's Catholic. Right. You know that. Yeah. I mean, if you went through that kind of stuff, that, that 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 detox coming back, that kind of sickness, that's getting better. So go ahead. I'm sorry. So how was your childhood after you after they adopted you? I, mean, I mean, you said it's great, but I mean, like childhood.
0: school, sports, bud friends. Yeah, no, childhood child was great. Uh, I uh, ended up playing uh, baseball, basketball, and then in high school football and, and wrestling. Became a WCL wrestling champion in high school. Uh, ended up, ended up uh, in the theater program and speech and debate. I kicked out of speech and debate, but that's their loss.
1: Good for you, man. Wow. <laughs> You're a
0: freaking wrestler.
1: A debating uh, wrestler. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but but uh, but then but then at seventeen, uh, once again, it all came crashing down. I had a, I, I, my brain broke. I had a complete mental breakdown. Ex- explain how. What it, explain that, what yeah, that means. Talk about that. Well, I, I was in front of twelve hundred people. at at my theater in a theater show performing as one of the leads and it was opening night and i had been having a hard time mentally before this but not told anybody about it i've been having paranoid delusions so i didn't know what to call them i've been having hallucinations auditory and visual but but was lying to myself about it in denial and then i get on the stage and i start to believe that 1200 people are coming to kill me simultaneously so i run off stage this just happened Uh, What's that? You, this just happened to you, or, or... I, I had I had what's called a complete paranoid delusion, what? Uh, extreme uh, paranoid delusion. What brought and that I on? Just, do you know? It, it it came from psychosis. I I had hit my breaking point of my mental capacity, and I would later learn that both my biological parents have been diagnosed with manic depression. Obviously, we today call it bipolar, and that's what I would be diagnosed with after this incident. Um, but but I. Uh, I ran off stage and the, the, the director of the play came after me and, and called my mom and she picked me up and very soon thereafter, I saw my first psychiatrist uh, and he, he, he would, would eventually tell me I had bipolar disorder, very same disease as my parents, uh, and, and that's when things got completely out of control. I would skyrocket into a manic euphoric natural high. And I'd crash into a depression weekly. And for two years, it was like this. Uh, my mom kicked me out of my 18th birthday, said, kick rocks and call your father. And my dad took me in. And so the Heinz family, it's, they split up? They split right where, right, right, right. When I was about right before I had a mental breakdown, they split. Is that what triggered it? Uh, my mom would say yes. My dad would say No. I what would you, say that say? it played a large role in affecting my mental health. Absolutely. All right. I didn't see it coming. My sister saw it coming. She saw the the you know the the she saw it coming. And I, I I didn't think that 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 was even possible. My parents seemed so put together, uh, but the, behind the scenes they were having a hard time. And my dad left, and that was it. So I go to live with my dad on my 18th birthday, and all we do is scream at each other every day. Uh, he, he, he was a a guy that, that grew up with nothing. His parents died of alcoholism very young and he had a really, really rough childhood. And so he didn't know how to deal with my mental health crisis. Uh, and so it, it just, it would just, we would just have these screaming matches that the police should have been called to. But anyway, we end up, uh, I'm 19 and I'm sitting at my desk and I'm, I'm just completely broken. And I can't think of anything but taking my life. And this pervasive... Does that just slip in there? It slipped in. It's a pervasive, horrible thought that I had to die. Not just that, but auditory hallucinations. Hearing these voices in my head telling me I had to die every moment of every day, it became overwhelming. And of course, I didn't tell anybody, which is the biggest problem we have in in suicidal people around the world, is they keep it to themselves. They They silence their pain, like I did. And I sat my, at my desk and I penned this note to my family, my friends and my girlfriend at the time. And I finished the note. I put it in my backpack and the, the morning after I tell my dad, I love him. And I get to city college as kind of like a, uh, to, a a cutting off point. I go to my counselor, I drop all of my classes and I end up making my way out to the golden gate. And it, it, it was it was surreal. I, I I sat on that bus, hoping, wishing, and praying that one person would see me and my pain and my tears and say something kind to me because I was going to tell them everything. I couldn't tell my dad that morning, but I'll tell you on that bus, I wanted to tell everybody if they would just ask me if I was okay. I'd just tell them the truth. I couldn't say it out loud by myself. I, I had to, something was blocking me, and, and um, I ended up talk about that.
1: So if you're sitting it, around, everybody—it's it's, just
0: there's a hundred people on the bus, and they and and I'm crying like a baby, and I'm yelling aloud at the voices in my head, "Leave me alone! I don't want to die! Why do you hate me so much? What did I ever do to you?" Literally, and a hundred people just are staring at me. As, as you're one saying, guy, as I said, one as guy said, turns to the fellow to his left and says, "What the hell is wrong with that kid?" while laughing at me, and that 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 kind of sealed my fate. The bus gets to the Golden Gate Bridge parking lot. All these people deboard and I, I, I make my way on to the walkway. I make my way out to a very particular light rail and a woman approaches me smiling. And I thought, this is it. This lady's going to save me. I don't have to do this. I don't have to die today. And then she pulled out a digital camera and said, "Will you take my picture. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you gotta be kidding me. How can she not see the pain in my eyes? Um and that was it. I, I, I she walked away after getting five pictures or so, and I said absolutely no one cares, which was bullshit. Everybody cared. Everybody in my family, everyone in my everybody was there for me. I just lied to everyone for so long, for two years.
1: So looking back at it, when you're going through that event, do you do you recognize signs that, that were designed to keep you from doing it? Or is is it? Do you get into such a debilitating place as you're going through it that you don't see those? And like, what what do we teach people? Like, how do you? What are you supposed to say?
0: Yeah. See, I was in such a darkness in general that I believed if I told someone about my pain, they would abandon me.
1: So you not only did you lock yourself in there, you put a warning on there that that would even attempt you from getting out of it, right?
0: I lied to myself so much. I was in so much denial that I thought if I told someone, they wouldn't care so i didn't tell anyone so what i tell people now is that we have to check on our strong friends the people that are in the people that are not visibly in pain we have to check on them too suicide pr- prevention has to be held at the breakfast lunch and dinner table of every household because around the world more suicides are occurring than ever before more i mean more 5 to 10 year old black children are dying by suicide than ever before in the history of the world 5 to 10 year olds this is insane how is this happening And and we we need to have these conversations because they know what it is, and they know how to do it, and they're taking their lives. Um, And and when I did this, when I was at the Golden Gate, uh, I really, truly believed that I was useless and worthless and had no value. And it was a lie. Suicidal ideations are the greatest liars we know. So is that us? Were you you self-medicating drugs, alcohol, or...
1: You no, clean. no, I was not.
0: Uh, in high school, I, I had binge drank until blackout a few times while on psychotropic meds. But other than that, no, I, I I I I wasn't at the time. Were you on psychotropic meds when you made the jump? I was. I was on my meds, and I, I had uh, I had been taking them pretty haphazardly. You know, one day and not the next seven days, not for seven days. Obviously, no one knew that, so that was affecting me as well. All right. So leading up to the to the act. Lady walks up camp, so you took a picture. Is that the last thing you
1: did? Is she the last person you interacted with before? She was the last person I interacted with. You remember what and she then, looks
0: like and what she was wearing and all that? Um, all, all, all I remember vaguely is that she was wearing beige and she had blonde curly hair and giant sunglasses. Giant sunglasses, bag of giant. Like sunglasses like everybody stuff. from San Francisco. All right, so <laughs> all right,
1: I'm I'm going to dig in on this little on <laughs> on the act itself, <laughs> good, bro. If you're all right with that, I'm okay with that. Okay, uh, so I. I, I got to know. Yeah, we're, that's cool, right? We're asking about this. I mean, now you're a teacher. No, no, you, no. Yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm an open book. All oh, right, check. Okay, because I don't, I don't want to piss you off or hurt your feelings or anything, but we're team never quit, right? Yes. So you went from the ultimate quit to your story now preaching a never quit lifestyle. Yes. That's a perspective that's, most yeah, people right? don't okay. have. Yeah, that's how you become a teacher here. So yeah. like, like, we so, got a guy for that. So, you got a problem with that? I mean we we got a dude here now. What I what I'd like to hear is the build up. Here we are. You're on the bridge and it's if you if you've never been there, it ain't close to the water. Man, that's I mean, heavy, man. Way that's up some there. heavy. That's way up there.
0: 250 feet, 25 stories. And the winds, I mean, Were you this enough, is did, different.
1: Did you walk across the entire bridge the other side or did you go right out? No, in the
0: no, I, I, I paced up and down pretty far, but not, not all the way to the end. And then I ended up at a particular light rail. And then I, I, I when, the lady, when the lady was gone, I walked back toward the traffic railing, sprinted forward, and catapulted my hands off the rail. But the moment my hands left the rail was an instant regret. No, yeah. Oh, oh okay. back it up, man. That's okay. intense. Yeah. All right, all right. Walk, I just had back. one of those
1: Rudy moments with you, freaking doing that. But back, back that up. All right. So, what were you but telling you, yourself when yeah, you were yeah, pacing back on? and forth? Like, all right, you're gonna, you're gonna do it. You said the voices in your head are telling you to. So, if we see, if you see this happening, then you need to know.
0: Yeah, so, so, so the voice say the voices at the moment of my uh, at the moment my hands left the rail said, "Jump now." The the auditory hallucination not not seemingly not that of my conscience. Didn't recognize it as my own voice. It was, it was a voice in my head from psychosis. Jump now. I throw my hands over the rail and I go, what have I just done? I don't want to die. God, please save me. And then I hit the water. Okay. Oh, is that fast? Four seconds. You're face down. How'd you land? Feet first? I was I was falling head first in the first, I would say, two seconds. I knew if I hit head first, I would die. I threw my head back. And I'm not going to say how exactly I landed because it's the only way to survive. Jumping off the Golden Gate Bridge, and I do not want to encourage anybody to try what oh, I did. Oh, you're. Don't, don't learn the hard way like I did. Well, what if they learn the hard way like you did halfway through? Okay, so wanna, hang on. Wait, wait,
1: wait. Right. I get, I'm digging in on this one. <laughs> pacing back and forth. What, what, were you, what were you wearing? Did you have a hoodie on?
0: No, I was wearing a long sleeve sweater and, and pants and, and, uh, and boots. Okay. Backpack still on? Backpacks on the on the ground uh, at the ra- at the rail because my notes inside in a notebook. Oh, oh, you wrote a note. Yeah, I did. Okay, all right. So did that make you feel better? No, I just I just wanted to I wanted to say goodbye to my family. I mean, only twenty two percent of civilians write notes who die by suicide. Most people do not. I, I wrote the note because I wanted them to know I love them. But I couldn't. I couldn't stand existing anymore. I, I. I believed I had to die. I was wrong, but I couldn't see it. All right. So you said, yeah, you just kind of
1: catapulted over the side, because that's a progression, right? I mean, you. It's almost you don't wake up and all of a sudden you just feel like that. Is there levels? Of no, that? no. It was. It
0: was. It was leading up to it over time. It was. And one build, thing leads to another, build, right? It's like build. you almost get into one square into one one position. Why, why the
1: bridge? Why not a gun, or pills, or, but, or step in front of a semi, or
0: all of those things had crossed my mind. Um, I had um, I had read a website that promotes anyone's death by suicide because just because because these people are evil. Well, uh, it has like how to do it, like lists. and they tell you how to do it. And on one of those sites, it said, "Go to if you live in San Francisco, go to the Golden Gate, you'll die on impact, good luck, exclamation point.
1: So, so you actually, wait a minute. Whoa, usually, wait a is, minute. You actually Googled how to kill yourself? I did. That's a first. I don't think I've heard that before. So if you catch I'm yourself so, uh, doing that, I true. mean, oh yeah. So for our listeners, I mean, if you catch yourself Googling stuff like that, Google the uh, uh, hotline to
0: call. to. So, so back then in the year 2000, what came up was those websites. Today, what comes up when you Google that stuff is how to prevent suicide. Oh, good. Oh, oh check good. They fixed all that. right, and
1: they fixed it because that's a web thing. That's that's what that is. That's a human fix in that. That's, that's Th- those
0: those people that create those websites should be in prison for the deaths they're connected to all over the world. In my opinion. All
1: right. I, all right. So what you said once you left the railing. Now I, we we. Have been in situations before where, just for just just an analogy, yeah, we left the rail, and you're like, bro, just uh, a freaking jump. I mean, us, yeah, nothing what like. Were you, what was going through your mind? Because yeah, I had to build. We've had to. We got to psych ourselves up to do that shit. The second you left that rail, what were you saying to yourself? You remember?
0: I do remember. What have I just done? I don't want to die. God, please save me. And Then I hit the water. And did it hurt right away? Yeah, did it hurt? It was excruciatingly painful. It's like hitting concrete. Did you break anything? I I, I, I I immediately shattered my T12, L1, L2 lower vertebrae into shards. I missed uh, severing my spinal cord by two millimeters, and I sprained my right ankle. Sprained your ankle. Sprained your ankle. You, your ankle. you landed on, my, on your you landed Never, on your, ever you laid that, that part
1: out. You left. You landed on your butt then, huh? Uh, I'm sorry, man. i just, I, I got to. <laughs> did it knock you well, out?
0: Yeah. No. no fully conscious the entire time. Went did you go under?
1: Water. Well, shit! Yeah, oh. you went under. No, 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 no. Did you? Did you go like deep, 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 deep? Yeah.
0: Seventy feet beneath the water. Oh. Wow. Opened my eyes. Seventy Cause, feet. Because you're cause you're, fa- you're falling at a velocity that is near the speed of terminal velocity. You're almost terminal. You're almost terminal. Almost terminal. Terminal velocity almost, for anybody that knows 130
1: miles an hour. Yeah.
0: It's 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 wild. And, and I, I go down, and so a vacuum kind of sucks you under 70 feet. I open my eyes, and I'm drowning. And the first thought I had was, I don't want to drown. And I, and I remember saying, I said, like, why the hell did you jump into a giant body of water?
1: Yeah, that's a good question.
0: It was cold, just, too. The depression was gone. The suicidal thoughts were gone.
1: And rational I thought came in.
0: Uh, fight or flight, I had to live. That's right. So um, it, it literally,
1: in that water, knocked all that shit out of you, and then
0: the rational out of mind. Because I, I thought, what have I just done? I don't, And so I, I'm, I'm frantically moving in any direction. I'm going down. My eyes are bulging. My ears are ringing. I shoot for the surface as fast as my arms will take me. I can't feel my legs, but they were working. And I get as close as I can to the surface. And I'm looking at this lit circle of water above me. And I start to convulse, running out of air. And I just remember thinking, if I die here, no one's going to know I don't want to. No one's going to know I knew I made a mistake. And that's when I broke the service, bobbed up and down in the water, and that's when I just I just prayed, God, please save me. I don't want to die. I made a mistake. i repeat. They heard me. Because that water's freezing. Yeah, you bet. So you got plus six so you current, six currents going on at the same time in different directions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't swim. You can't swim ashore. The 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 one guy that's ever swum ashore it was a triathlete swimmer. So good for him. And you're
1: wearing a sweatshirt, long jeans, and boots.
0: Yeah, I, I, I kept going in the water. I what, kept going down. I it? couldn't stay afloat. Yeah, I kept coming up, spinning out salt water, going back down. I go back down one more time, and I remember thinking, "Shit, I'm going to die," and I don't want to. And no, it's it's over. What do you? What, what can these, you see? Like, what, are you surfing, like, what are you looking at?
1: What are you looking at when you're going back? Are you just looking up at the bridge? Is that all you can see? The gate? I'm just looking
0: up at the bridge, but I go down in the water, so I'm I'm trying to get back up, but I can't get back up. And and, and and that's when something began circling beneath me. And it was obviously very large and slimy and alive. And I thought it was a shark because I didn't know sharks feel like sandpaper. Uh, and I thought, yeah, I, thought I was going to yeah, bite I my do. legs off. And I get I get to the surface and this thing is now circling beneath me, bumping my body up. And I'm just waiting for it to bite me, but it doesn't. And that's when the Coast Guard arrived. The phenomenal officers of the Coast Guard arrived. And this creature takes off, and the officers pull me onto a flatboard, They put me in a neck brace. They strap me in a pen to toe, and they start asking questions. The first was, kid, do you know what you just did? I said, yeah. I just jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge, and they said, why? I said, I don't know. I, I thought I had to die today. They said, son, do you understand how many people we pull out of these waters are already gone? I said, no, and I don't want to know. He said, we're going to tell you anyway. He said, young man, this unit alone, this year alone, has pulled 26 dead bodies from these waters, and one live one, you. Uh, and I can tell you, as your show as Team Never Quit, that gave me the greatest point of perspective I've ever received in my life. And on that boat, I made a cognitive decision. I would never again attempt to take my life so long as I should live, no matter the pain I'd be in. And I have chronic thoughts of suicide. I think about it all the time. They plague me. I'll never die that way. They take you to jail? No. Uh, attempting to die by suicide is not uh, considered a criminal act anymore. It used to be. Uh, what about jumping off the bridge? <laughs> they no. Uh, no they, they look at that as more more of a, a mental health issue that, that someone needs to get help from. So I went straight to a physical hospital because I had broken my back. I went from a, a wheelchair to a walk in a back brace to a back brace and a cane after a 10-and-a-half-hour back surgery to replace my shattered vertebrae with titanium. Uh, oh there. nice! So
1: you got titanium spine now? Yeah. So here I got a line for you. You want to use it? You can, bro. This is the one I use. When I Ooh, yeah. I, I got mine, uh, I wasn't spineless to begin with, but I have a titanium <laughs> spine now. So that's how strong you are. You Love got a freaking titanium in you. I mean, that's that's a completely different realm altogether. Now <laughs> we start thinking about it's like, hey man, now you get one of them little merit badges for actually living through that shit because you turn around <laughs> and you're pushing it back in a positive direction. Because if trying. there's a progression into that, then there's a there definitely be a progression out of it. I, yeah, exactly. I okay. I just got a question. I just think that it would take some freaking balls to jump off of that thing. I mean, the amount that it would take to not to com- commit suicide, you'd think you could use that to not do that. You but think that, if you would have crawled over the rail, we can what if? Um, we probably shouldn't. What if? Never mind. Never mind. I'm not gonna what up this. I, I well, I imagine everybody already has, anyways. But that, that's what my point is. It's a progression. Like you can stop it ahead of time. It's not just something that, because once you're in there, it's completely different. So that's why we got to catch it early.
0: Yeah. When you're in that state of mind, you can catch someone in that state of mind and keep them from doing what, what they're thinking of doing. But you have to ask the question, are you thinking of killing yourself? Have you made plans to take your life and do you have the means? And when you get those answers in there, yes, you have to do something to keep them safe. You have to, you have to get them to physically to safety at a psych unit, or you have to, Sit with them and just be with them and listen to their pain. Sometimes it's not about what we say or what we do; it's about just being with them in the moment and saying, "I got your back." What What can I do for you? What do you need from me to stay here? How can I help keep you on this planet? When I was suicidal for the first, for, you know, I was that wasn't the first time I was suicidal. I was suicidal in high school. I was suicidal in college, um, and 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 then when I attempted at nineteen and left off the bridge, uh, it was the probably the worst place I've been in my life. Uh, but I kept it to myself. So I, I would implore all of your listeners and subscribers to, if you're if you're in that kind of state of pain, do not silence your pain. Don't learn the hard way like I did. It was a mistake. Open your mouth, speak on your pain to anyone willing to empathize so you can stay.
1: So what do we say to them? Cause once you, once you do that, it's not as painful as you think, like what you're going, what I'm trying to say is like, what do you say? It's like, Hey, I know what you, I don't know what you're going through, but it's like, Hey, I know you think it's painful, but there's a way around that.
0: What, what I say to them is that today is not tomorrow. Just because you're in a world of pain today doesn't mean that's going to be your existence forever. Yeah, you know? And, 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 and next to that, uh, we're all going to die. None of us are immortal. Give yourself time plus the hard work it takes to get better to be here tomorrow. And and that's my new, my new motto is I'm going to be here tomorrow. And every damn day after that, no matter the pain I'm in.
1: Yeah. Cause this is, uh, this affects the younger crowd a lot, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. Big time.
1: Cause you can get ahead of yourself. I mean, you get a lot of these kids, they stretch, they stack so much stress because of the social media, everything you have access to. I mean, y'all, when they say y'all, you got more stress as a kid, then I mean, y'all do. Yeah. I mean, they do. They got all that. And that, that, that's probably hard to weigh all, um, everything at once, especially at a young age, because we don't grow up fast, man. We just get big fast. Growing up takes a while. After the after you had your surgery, let's just say, when they pulled you on the – how – you have – so you're on borrowed time, obviously. Like yeah. me and him. Yeah. Walking around on borrowed time, taking advantage of it every single day. Are you just you, – I'm, I'm assuming, and I'm trying to go back because I know that you came out and talked to our team before we deployed. I know it. When I, when, I was reading, when I was reading all the information on you, I was like, man, I've met this guy before. The fact that a sea lion kept your ass alive and the, and the Coast Guard, sh- hats off to the Coast Guard. We give you a lot of shit, man. Hats off well, to the Coast something. Guard. Bro, Absolutely. Yeah, right? I, I, I mean. But I got to think that you're just, the way you live your life now is happy and infectious, right? Just never having bad days. I don't understand. Every, you, know, you probably could never have a bad day.
0: I still have pain, but every moment, is a, every moment of every day is a good moment. I, 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 I have a, the gift of a second chance at life. I'm not going to squander that. Every moment I wake up, every moment I go through life is a gift. It's a privilege to, to exist. To be anywhere mm-hmm. is a privilege. And when I look at the people that I get to meet that are in so much devastating pain, that are so suicidal that are so desperate inside i give them the biggest hug and i let them know that it's going to get better tomorrow but you've got to do the hard work everybody wants to so do is that what we're missing is that is that, the, is that what the missing thing is? everybody wants us to get better tomorrow by taking that magic pill it's not going to happen that way yeah you need to put in the work
1: gotta work your ass off
0: right yeah
1: if you don't that's what this is what happens
0: if I don't work hard to stay mentally stable today, I'll be right back there on that place. Yeah, that's my point. It's an everyday
1: thing. That's what, that's what we have something to do down here.
0: Yeah. I think that's why I never...
1: I was talking about this earlier. It's like when you work out and you get to a certain level, if you don't keep doing it, it goes away. That's right. That's so you'll always have something to do while you're down here. You bet. So what did that... After, after you rehabbed, after you got back up on your feet, what did, um, what did
0: what path did God
1: put you on?
0: You know what? That's that's very interesting. You asked that question in the way you asked it because God did put me on a path. He put me on a path right away. I was uh, I, my father <laughs> took me. My, my, my father, my, I mean that. My hey, bro, father I guess I say, man, sign right here, Ron. We got you <laughs> now. My father took me to church a few months after my attempt because uh, I had a, I, I I'm walking with my back brace and my cane, and he's, we're hobbling up the stairs and we get inside there to the service, and the priest, Father Michael Harriman. Uh says exactly what I needed to hear, like my dad took him in the, in the back and said, hey, this is what you need to say to my son. The priest comes out at the end of the service and says, Kevin, would you like to come talk to our seventh and eighth grade class about your experience this Good Friday? And I looked at him and I said, Father, I don't have a speech and I wouldn't know what to say. And then my dad shoved me forward and goes, he'll do it! And I'm looking at my dad, like, what are you doing? He goes, you'll do it when you need closure. And when, when Pat Hines tells you something twice, you do it. And so... I go and I end up going to the uh, rectory of this school that I, used to, that I went to as a kid. And 128 7th 8th grade kids are sitting cross-legged on the floor in their Catholic uniforms, the one I used to wear. And they're all looking at me and I'm thinking to myself, who is this going to help and why am I here? And I'm, I read 17 pages on the page, dropping one by one to the floor, shaking and crying because it was very raw. And, a, and eight hands immediately go up. And I thought, did I make an impact? And they were uh, amazing, intelligent, empowering, important questions. And uh, and it turned out when Father Michael Harriman invited me to the rectory two weeks later to hand me a manila envelope filled with 120 letters from 120 kids, six of those kids were actively suicidal and wrote it in their letters. The letters were screened. They got the help they needed. They're alive today. One of them is a therapist. And I stay in touch. It, it, it's an amazing experience to see the impact that words can have on people's lives. And you know that all too well.
1: Oh yeah. Well, when, when he put, put you I mean, yeah. dad have you seen the, the, uh, Have you seen that documentary, The Bridge?
0: Yeah, I was in that documentary with Eric Steele and uh, and, and my dad, Pat Hines.
1: Yeah, had, oh, that's what he meant. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I didn't know that. I mean, yeah,
0: yeah, that's all
1: right. we were talking about that earlier. Which, what year did they film that?
0: That was filmed in two thousand four and five. It was released in two thousand six at Tribeca in San Francisco
1: because i don't think people actually realize the amount of people that jump off that thing. Is there a heavy concentration of suicide in San Francisco?
0: The Golden Gate specifically the Golden Gate Bridge is, the, is still the number one suicide spot in the world. The in Golden the world? Gate Bridge in the world. The Golden Gate Bridge district would like people to think that 1800 people have died off the Golden Gate Bridge. They have kept that number the same for at least 5 to 7 years. The reality according to the marine corner and some of the bridge officers that work there is that it's more like 2000 3000 4,000 or higher for all the bodies washed away to sea never be seen again for all the bodies eaten by fish to the bone because that happens uh and for all the bodies they only find a, a piece of they don't count that body as a person even if they found the note on the bridge huh
2: you said you experienced these thoughts still to this day what kind of coping you know methods have you put in place today to protect yourself from relapsing or getting back into those negative thoughts where, where you let them consume you
0: So, a couple of things I do every time I become suicidal so they don't consume me. When I think of taking my life, and it's a pervasive thought that comes to me often enough, I turn to anyone next to me, no matter if I know them from Adam or not, and I say, I need help now. When they ask me what that means, I say, I'm suicidal, but I don't want to die. I'm just having these thoughts. Can you help me? Not everybody can help you in that situation. But, but after you asked the third fourth fifth or sixth person in my in my experience someone has always been willing to empathize with the pain and get me to a safe place or call my wife or get me somewhere safe
1: Man, um, I, I, I you know if somebody
0: asked me that said that to me I think it would make me
1: I would be all about it because I, I live in with in the veteran space helping veterans with suicidal ideologies right but uh, if I was, I know people that if you said that to, they would look at you and walk away and think that you were terrifying. Is there, a, have. is there a better approach maybe instead of saying, Hey, I'm suicidal. Can you say, Hey, look, I know what, I know, I know you don't know me, but I'm having a really bad day. I'm just having a, I just need somebody to talk to.
0: Yeah. So if you're, yeah, if but you're but sitting I, there and I your spidey sense goes yeah, off. Yeah. I think, I think buffering it is important. I, I, I hear you.
1: but, but like You for, just start talking about what it is that like, I, and I think about that too. So what's locked into your head? Like you had to go through that. That's kind of God's way of reminding you of what, you're, what you are, what you represent, and how yeah. you deliver that message. So if you're sitting there and someone's sitting next to you and then those thoughts pop into your head, it's probably what's next to you. Yeah. I'm sure you've noticed that. So yeah, the, way the, is, the way is you can't just, I mean, it's got to be hard to just look at them and hit them with those lines as opposed to just st- start telling a relative story that enables you to enact what you just thought about. Yeah, and make it relative because I, I okay. understand what bro's saying. He's like, if if you're just sitting there and somebody walks up and be like, "Hey, man, I'm kind of,"
0: they're like, "What the
1: fuck?" It's just heavy, I mean, <laughs> it's it's especially heavy. if you look yeah. terrified, right?
0: Shouldn't lead with that. <laughs> yeah, it well, usually takes t- a couple I days. I can tell you that I know it. I know it sounds like it's it's heavy and it's maybe too much to lead with, but every time I've done it for 22 years, someone's gotten me to safety. So, you know, when when you when you I, I look at it like when you tell the truth about your pain to someone who actually cares and, and, and you work to find that person who cares, you're going to get to a safe sure. place. Sure. That's the way God works.
1: If you can, if you, if you get that in your head and you say it out loud, who, usually the person sitting next to you, they'll, they're going to step up.
0: It'll be the right person. It'll be the, just trust that. Yeah, I do.
1: I believe that too.
2: I think that's a good opportunity for the civilian world to be, to better equip themselves to for that, you know, potential moment. What kind of places or resources are available for people that might find themselves in that position where they're on the receiving end of that question and they want to be a good resource?
0: Absolutely. So, so there's a a lot of great resources um, out there today. One of the biggest resources is two two of them. Uh, One is the Crisis Text Line and one is the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Uh, they've just expanded their network and their reach and their availability to people in a big way this recent uh july uh 988 is the number people can call for other people or for themselves and texting cnqr as in conquer texting cnqr to 741741 the crisis text line gets a person with you in seconds to help you keep someone or keep yourself safe um but there's there's resources all around the world if you are global uh, you can go to suicide.org uh, for every major lifeline around the world, um, uh, and, and every minor one as well. The, the smaller outfits are important too. Uh, and and then there's other things like, for example, um, we have a, my wife and I have a YouTube channel uh, that has 550 videos all designed to better brain health. Uh, it's just it's just YouTube.com/slash Kevin Hines. These videos are put together particularly to affect people in mental strife and get them to think about what they're doing and get them to ask for help.
1: So what is it that's so enticing about videos that lead people down the suicide trail as opposed to lead them off of it? And I remember when we were in school, they used to have they had civics, like civility, like teach you how to be civilized. And they yeah. also had classes in there that would help you kind of grow up. Yeah. We don't do that anymore, right?
0: Yeah, we don't. We, there's so much damaging and dangerous media in the world, video media, that if you watch it, it can it can influence you in a negative and 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 horrible way. That's why we try to create positive media that changes oh, yeah. lives. Right? Yeah, yeah. Oh man, you can go any direction, especially if at a young age when you're getting
1: molded. If you don't know yeah. that it's bad, you're going to put everything you got into making that situation good, regardless. I mean,
0: look look at those horrible look at those horrible videos we see that surface about you know. You're you're filming some guy, a friend of yours, go punch somebody in the back of the head, and, oh, and you're yeah, laughing no, I mean, like it's disgusting. That's it's unbelievable. horrible. Yeah, that's it's, that should be against it, the law. It should if be against the busted, law. If you get busted, that's accomplice. If you get busted, video, yeah, those videos, they should put people in prison. Sure, um, but but people rarely get in trouble for those things. You know, well, let's right now they don't.
1: I mean, you got to think it. a lot of this, all this tech and every in this world that we're occupying. Yeah, imagine we got into it as kids and we were. We do. We were just learning how to use it when our kids were born. We didn't even learn about the rules yet. Yeah. So it's almost like we're stuck in here with our kids, and, and we hadn't set the boundaries yet. And they're already learned up and in, in, in this. So yeah. it, it's there's just so much out there. Yeah. That it's uh, it's. I mean, we'll get a handle on it for sure. But we, parents, to, have, we had,
0: parents have to be on guard, and they have to talk about this with their kids every day, because it's right there for them to grab in a hot second.
2: Well, Kevin, I mean, obviously we appreciate your vulnerability in sharing this with our listeners, because I think that you definitely bring a, a different perspective to the show because you had taken that, I mean, you went, you went the full distance, right? And fortunately for you, you were given a second chance. And yeah. what you're doing with that is incredible. Talk to us a little bit about what you've got coming up next. I know you're working on a docuseries and some things like that, right?
0: Yeah, we're working on a docuseries called The Journey, about uh, the, the journey of traveling the world, sharing these stories. And meeting people from all over the world who are saying that this story or stories like this saved or changed their life forever. Um, and and we're we're we we're, we're doing things like creating a, a a mental health comic book about the story set in a cosmic world. We're we're also uh, working on a new documentary called The Net, uh, a look at the 85 year battle to raise a rail at the Golden Gate Bridge and stop the suicides there. How the first eight fights since 1937, six months after the first attempt, that have occurred. The first fight happened in 1937 to raise the rail by the bridge patrol officers that were there at the time. Uh, That fight failed. The next seven fights failed. The current fight that we, my father founded the Bridge Rail Foundation after the film The Bridge came out. Uh, And we found the Bridge Rail Foundation. We worked on that for 20 years to raise the net at the Golden Gate Bridge. The net is going up right now. And as of 2021 or 2023, when construction is finished, not one more soul will ever again die off the Golden Gate Bridge. And it will finally become what it was meant to be—the largest and brightest, most powerful beacon for suicide prevention all around the world. That's awesome, man!
1: You wouldn't think that there would be an argument to even put that up. Yeah. How how does that? What's what's the argument? It was massive.
0: Really? Oh my God! There was a huge wave of aggression and anger and rage that anyone would think of debasing the Golden Gate Bridge. What? What do you mean? More than death? No, they, they, a, yeah, they that thought. That's my, that's what I say. What, what, what is the aesthetics, aesthetics of a bridge compared to one human life? But they, the people that fought against this, were adamant that you were going to ruin a monument.
1: Oh, probably the same people that are walking around tearing all the monuments down around the country right now. Exactly. I mean, the monuments are the people there. That's that's the whole point, right? I mean, you you would think, and then they they get to enjoy that thing. Yeah. I I, I didn't even know that. I imagine most people don't even know that there would be an argument going against making that
0: thing safer. It's it's taken – well, the people that I've been working with have been working on raising the the net or rail for some of them for 30 years and my father and I for 20 years. So it's been a long and arduous process, and um, a lot of us thought it would never happen, um, but we kept fighting, and here we are.
1: That's awesome, brother, man. Thanks for what you – what you're doing now. I know you had to go through a lot, but it it, it got to this point. So thank you for your faith. And and you got a crazy job, bro. You (laughs) you got a, I mean, the stuff that we all had to go through to get to these positions, yours is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the route you had to take is awesome. And I mean that with, with all sincerity. I mean that good job.
0: I really appreciate that. I, I I
1: couldn't I can't even imagine. I mean, after going what I went through and the same way with the brother, each one is unique in, in your envelopment, man.
0: Yeah. But the way they,
1: the boss chips that stuff away and, and apart to, to create that good job for standing the
0: course, man. Well, I appreciate that. But what you all are doing and I've done in, in your fields, your work every day with veterans and with the folks you work with every day, it, it, that, that, that means the world to me. I travel around meeting veterans and active duty all the time. And, and seeing and hearing their stories uh, takes me down a notch and makes me understand that every one of us can go through all kinds of pain, uh, but there is a way to teach people to have be resilient to survive that pain. And if we can teach people to be
2: resilient and hold gratitude inside the pain, they'll survive it.
1: Yeah.
2: All right, brother, uh, man. Keep thanks, saving Kevin. lives, man. Hey, where, where can people follow you? Where can they support you? All that fun stuff.
0: Uh, at Kevin Hines Story across all socials, except for YouTube, youtube.com slash Kevin Hines. And then you can go to my website, Uh We have plenty of resources for you there. If you want them, uh, they're ready for you, and they're free. Well, um, thanks, Kevin. Hi, right, brother. Thanks for coming on.
1: Hey, hey did, you, uh, did, you, did you speak at the Navy SEAL Foundation Forum one year by chance? Oh, yeah. You might be right. No, no,
0: no. No, I don't think so. Uh, Impact
1: Forum is what it's called. Impact it's Forum? Put on, it's put on by the Navy SEAL Foundation.
0: No, I haven't yet. I have not yet. I've spoken at the DoD forum.
1: Yeah. I know. That, I know that you. I've been. In, I've. I, you've been in front of me before. I'm trying to figure out what it is. It'll come to me. It's gonna drive you crazy. All yeah. Right, All right. right, right thanks, Kevin. Thanks, Kevin.
0: Have a great week. All right, guys. Take care.